All right, everybody, welcome back to the Steel City Blitz Steelers podcast presented by Deck Roofing Incorporated of South Florida. And uh, we are heading into that period of time where there isn't a lot of stuff happening, but that doesn't mean we won't be here to entertain you. Um, the Steelers just wrapped up their rookie mini camp, which we'll have some thoughts on that. Uh, plus Troy Palomalu, and uh, who's going to be uh, presenting him for Hall of Fame induction. Um, we also have a little discussion tonight about depth and uh, whether or not people are getting carried away with, with the, well, here's that word again, potential of the offensive line this year. So a lot of different things. And uh, here, as usual, are Ben and Ian. And uh, Ben, what is your uh, choice of drink this evening? Um, well, what are we drinking? Uh, doesn't even know what he's drinking. No, Bat Squatch again, hazy IPA. Bat, Bat Squatch, hazy Bat IPA. Squatch. Okay, yeah. very good. Uh, obviously, a can. Uh, Ian, what are you enjoying this evening? I am drinking a can also of Yangling okay. Black and Tan. Um, oh, yes, yes, very, yes. I've had very that. It's a very tasty brew. Yes, it indeed. is. It yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, There's I'm... security hologram footage of Ian killing Yinglings. <laughs> <laughs> I, I appreciate that. That is a very good take on the meme. Well played. Yes, well played. Excellent. I uh, I'm kind of sad tonight because I'm killing off my uh, bottle of Bradshaw bourbon. Uh, Seriously, you, gonna... you drank yep. the whole thing? Oh yeah, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you were sad because you were killing off your last Icy Light Mango. Uh, no, I have a couple <laughs> left, Ian. I, I'm, I've been saving those. In, in fact, this weekend, I guarantee you those babies are getting broken out because it's going to be hot around here. Uh, we're talking 90 tomorrow and upper 80s on Saturday and Sunday. And, and I've been told, I think Rizzo Sarge told me this that the best time to have an icy light mango is when it's really hot outside. That is so, true. Yeah, that's, it is, it is. that's also the best time to have a hams. So big fucking deal. <laughs> oh, hams. I haven't had one of those babies in 25 years. But Hams oh, is a memories. seriously underrated lawnmower beer. <laughs> I, I will say that. Yes. Yes, okay? I would agree. But, yeah. man. <laughs> You're right. I would agree. So, it so is. in the interest of full disclosure, because we do rag on Mark for drinking Icy Light Mango, yep. I actually lowered myself to the level of drinking a White Claw Mango a few weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, God! Whoa! Why? Well, I was at a golf outing, and I was playing terrible, and that was all that was left in the case. And I was like, well, it's either this or water, so I'm going to drink this. Water. Uh, let me ask you this, though, Ian. Did your game turn around at all? Um, Actually, I parred the last hole on the course. So, well, um, okay. Yes, it was one of the worst rounds I've ever played uh, at okay. a very difficult course, mind you. But okay. nevertheless, it was, yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I find a little alcohol uh, helps help settle things down if if you don't get off to a decent it start. Uh, I, I did have two Yinglings before that as well. It <laughs> <laughs> didn't help me at all. But, oh boy, well that kind of blew my theory out of the water. But yeah. Uh, anyway, so uh, you know, guys, just you know, looking at different stuff uh, around the team and just what people are talking about. You know, whether it be the writers, the 
uh, pundits, whatever. Um, one of the things that I, I think has to be discussed, and it popped up this week with with talk about Ryan Kerrigan, the former Redskins, uh, excuse me, <clears throat> Washington football team, uh, former ed, edge rusher, uh, who went to Philadelphia, and then Adam Schefter reported uh, that the Steelers were one of the teams interested. And I, I don't think that should have been a surprise because the depth at that position for us is um, – let's just say non-existent. So uh, Ben, are, are you feeling pretty confident that they will bring a veteran edge guy in at some point? Uh, I think confidence is a strong word because mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think, you know, basically what they're offering is, um, you know, uh, a veteran minimum salary benefit deal and, mm-hmm. you know, some for Manny sandwiches. So I don't think, there are a lot of guys that are going to want to play for that. Maybe Justin Houston, if he sits out on the market long enough. Um, But there are teams that still have money left and these guys know it. And so they're, they're going to kind of bide their time, especially if they've got to sign a one year deal. They're, they're not going to want to sign for no money at all, but you know, they're long story short, these guys that think they can hit the market next year and cash in again, mm-hmm. if they hit the right situation, are going to look for both playing time, which Pittsburgh's not really offering, right? And you know, as much money as they can make in one year, which Pittsburgh's not going to be at the top of that market either. So, I wouldn't say that I'm confident uh, unless it gets to like July, when mm-hmm. there's still a bunch of guys sitting out there. In which case, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, as it sits, you're you're looking at Watt, you're looking at Highsmith, um, and and we all know Cassius Marsh is not exactly um, very high he on sucks. any. Yeah, I, I mean, sucks. I, I, the guy has what's he been in the league like seven years? I mean, he just keeps lasting. Um, and and then you've got a rookie in in Quincy Roche, who you know uh, again late round pick. So, I mean, how much can really be expected of him? There's definitely some nice things uh, about him, but uh, you know, <laughs> you, Ian is the one that said this and, and, and Ian, I'll, I'll flip it to you in a second here, but, but I'm blaming you right now. If TJ Watt gets hurt this year, it's your fault because you said in, in our Slack discussion, how do you feel about the depth behind him? If something happens to him and you're right. I mean, I might have to go in and play edge rusher at that point and we'd really be screwed. Uh, Ian, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, I mean that's that's the the metric you should always use to ask yourself if a team should sign more players at the position. And if if you say, okay, if our if our one of our starters gets hurt, are you okay with whoever's behind them coming in and and playing significant time? Like mm-hmm. what had to happen with Alex Highsmith last year, what had to happen with Robert Spillane last year? And honestly, before the season, I would have answered no to both of those questions too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if, if TJ Watt gets hurt or if Alex Highsmith gets hurt, are you comfortable with Cassius Marsh or, and or Quincy Roche basically having to play more than like 10 snaps a game? And, my answer to that is no. So then the the logical conclusion of the next step is you should go out and try and sign somebody yeah. uh, just to, to add depth to the position. The I agree with everything Ben said. The other sort of hard thing is mm-hmm. that whoever they go out and sign, most of the guys left on the market 
are you know over 30 years yep. old and yep. probably aren't going to want to play special teams but you need those depth guys to play special True. teams so you know you're either going to put alex highsmith out there who's your starter as a special teamer which basically he i mean he was a good special teamer for us last yeah. year but now as a starter that's just more opportunities for him to get hurt and that increases your risk of also needing your depth guys more. So, mm-hmm. you know, you ask how has Cassius Marsh stayed around so long? Maybe because he's willing to play special teams. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, he, he stinks flat out. He's awful. Um, I'd rather see Quincy Roche in there and take my chances than see Cassius Marsh in there. Yeah. Um, well, your, your point I, about I'd like to see Roche. I, I'd like to see Roche put on a few pounds. You know, He's gonna have to. Oh yeah, he has to. I, I don't see Roche. Honestly, don't see him even probably today being any worse at setting the edge than than Marsh is. But you know, this is a guy who I think has potential to to play significant minutes at some point. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, he's gonna have to to bulk up a little bit and set the edge better. Yeah, that that was his. If you watch him on tape, to me, that was his glaring weakness in the inconsistency with being able to set the edge. Um, you know, good pass rusher, good yeah. motor. I mean, a lot of good things. Yeah. Well, and that's just it. If you if you can use him in an exclusively sort of pass rush specialist role, he mm-hmm. could be a solid contributor for you this year. But if you ask him to be an every down player, you're going to have some holes to fill. Right. Right. No, I, I, I'm right with you. And, and you know, more to your point, too, Ian, about guys coming in over 30 special teams. I mean, you look at uh, Melvin Ingram, you look at Justin Houston. These are these are guys in their early 30s now and, and they're, they're not playing special teams. Uh, yeah. I, I just don't see it. So, yeah, I, I totally agree with you there. Yeah, um, if they do play, they're not playing it well. That, too. That, too. How much are they really putting into it um, at this point in their careers? So. Yeah, I, I think they, they've definitely got to address it. And, I mean, obviously in the perfect world situation, Roche puts on a little bit of pound or a little bit of weight this uh, this summer and comes in and just excels beyond anybody's uh, imagination. And great, they got a guy, but but you still really need that, that other guy too. Um, we, we also were talking about our concerns for depth at inside linebacker because uh, Devin Bush is, is coming back off the ACL. Um Vince Williams is back, Robert Spillane, um, and we have a rookie in Buddy Johnson. Um, and and there's a lot of things to like about Buddy Johnson, but until we see him in some NFL action, uh, I don't know. So what do you anticipate happening there, Ben? I don't see them signing anyone, and we have a whole bunch of guys that play the run well but aren't coverage linebackers. Um, right. You know, I mean, I guess Marcus Allen is – okay in coverage but that's all he can do Mm -hmm. he's not really a linebacker he's not really a safety um he's not really good at playing dimebacker in my opinion um you know he's okay he's not anything to write home about would be the way i would describe him uh devin bush is your only solid all-around backer and if he goes down we're gonna be in the same position we were in last year which frankly was not good not good um so, you know, they've got pieces there. They're going to develop mm-hmm. in Spillane and in Johnson. They got Vince Williams, who's, you know, been a solid contributor for years. And granted, he's a two down backer now, but, yeah. you know, he's been a guy who's been around and knows the signals, knows the defense. 
is a good leader, is a good stealer. He'll be there for a while, at least for this season anyway. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then Bush, and that's, you know, some other guys. Um, they uh, have Ulysses Gilbert, who Gilbert, is made right. glass. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Gil- I mean, he's just – that's just not a guy I want to count on at this point. Yeah. No. He just oh. yeah. he just can't manage to stay healthy. I, I question whether or not he's even going to make the team. With them drafting Johnson, I don't think so. And the other thing to to remember too, don't forget they signed Miles Killebrew, Killebrew. Um, who they have him listed as a safety, but I mean he looks more like a dimebacker to That's me. That's right. Yeah, he could play dimebacker. I did forget about that. He, so yeah, that could be competition for um, uh, Marcus Allen. He certainly is going right. to be a core special teams player. He's been one his entire career. Yeah, they they they're very pissed off here uh, in Michigan. They loved him on special teams for the Lions, um, so they they didn't like seeing him go. But yeah, well, that'll know, be his the, primary. Western focus. Pennsylvania, actually, Pennsylvania in general, kind of excels at pissing off Michigan. So, <laughs> <laughs> eh, there's a lot of truth to that. I, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Marcus Allen, I mean, didn't we see enough of the experiment last year? I mean, I'm really kind of surprised. I know he's on the cheap, but I, I mean, it's like you said, he he he's not a safety, but he's not a linebacker. You know, it's kind of like the old saying, well, he's not fast and he's not quick. Uh, but <laughs> it's like, well, okay. Um, you know, so I, I don't know. Uh, the injury bug always seems to hit random areas year to year so hopefully last yeah. year was the, the one that hit the linebackers and it'll move on to somebody else if not at all which would be really good um what about safety ben i mean what what do you got you got minka you got terrell edmonds uh and then what uh uh you got trey what's his name well you got the Nor- rookie trey, trey norwood. Yeah. norwood yeah rather. norwood is i you know not a great safety, but I think he's a guy that could grow into the role and become mm-hmm. a player. Um, you know, Marcus Allen again. Um, it would be nice to have Sean Davis back because he knew the defense real well. Right. But, I mean, Sean Davis was not going to be a great player. I mean, he he pretty much had shown you everything that he was. Um, you get Arthur Millette. Yeah, that's an interesting signing. Yeah, yeah he is, and and he is going to be a guy that has. They're going to play him at safety, but he's played he's played strong safety and nickel in his mm-hmm. career. So mm-hmm. It's he's a it's thick kind of a weird, dude. Yeah. weird mix. Um, but he's done both. So I mean, if, if he can if he can perform, he'll he'll make a contribution. Um. Antoine Brooks, maybe, you know, maybe he yeah. makes the jump. Good things were said about him last mm-hmm. year. They said they, you know, they liked him. They wanted to see what he could do. Uh, I, I see him more of as, you know, a linebacker. He's a bigger safety. Yeah, he's thicker. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, it's not great. Uh, safety depth is not outstanding. Um, I'm kind of moderately surprised that they did not exercise uh, Edmonds fifth year option, um, you know, just mm-hmm. because of the, the death situation. Right. But I was corrected after the fact, I, I was under the impression that it was still not a guaranteed option. It is guaranteed as of this new CBA. So, okay. 
they looked at it from the standpoint of, you know, we've already got this much money committed to safety, to safety as a whole. Yeah. And yeah. we're not sure we want to commit more to it um, in terms of ki- taking up cap space. Why don't we wait and see if we can sign this kid to a, to a, an extension. And mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. he plays at the level he played at last year, he's not going to get a monster extension. No. On the other hand, if he, you know, like a Bud Dupree, uh, outperforms that contract this year, mm-hmm. they're going to have a problem next year. And then, you know, they're not going to be able to, to sign him. Um, you know, we all well, said the, at the time the franchise on this show, tag at safety. The franchise tag at safety is a lot lower than it is at other positions too. So there, that's always an option. Not that they would use it, but it is. But it's it's yeah. gonna go up for the fifth year. I I would hope they didn't use it. Um, well, we do have a ton of cap room next year, though. Yeah, yeah. We, we do. We have a lot of guys <laughs> that not not signed at key positions. What I was going right. to say is this: we talked about this on this show when when. Bud Dupree's fifth year option was exercised and mm-hmm. he was going into his fifth year. And, you know, there was talk about whether or not they were going to extend him or not extend him. And they made no offer. And we said at the time, what they should have done was given him an extension that paid him that same amount of money, or maybe a little mm-hmm. bit more. I think it was $9 million was his fifth year. Yeah. With What we said at the time was, you know, give him a, an extension that pays him $10 million for his fifth year between signing bonus and salary, but mm-hmm. then keeps him to the te- tied to the team for four more years at a reasonable level. Had they done that, they'd still have him mm-hmm. in the fold on a cheap deal. Granted, at this point, he probably wouldn't be happy, no. but you know, from a salary cap standpoint, cap management standpoint, it would have been better for the Steelers having done so. As well, had he not performed very well, mm-hmm. they could have cut him. And it wouldn't have hurt him that bad, you know. And we know what they did. They right. let him play on his fifth year, and then they franchised him. And you know, they spent a lot more money than they would have otherwise. And he's yes. gone. Yeah, I think yeah. they probably should have gone that route, or should try to go that route with Edmonds now. And, and it's possible they could. And you know, the the other thing I was thinking too about, you know, you guys mentioned Antoine Brooks. It, these guys didn't really have much of an off season last year. Um, you know, so, so you wonder if maybe a, a young guy like that, maybe he really takes a big step forward by having a, a full off season program, full training camp. You know, I, I realize I'm, I'm kind of being overly optimistic, but no, Hey, no, you know, you're, you're you never not. know. You never they, know. They had no off season last None. year. Yeah. I mean, they had limited opportunities in the preseason because mm-hmm. of the way that worked out. Um, limited opportunities in camp because camp was a joke. Right. You know, most of it was virtual. Um, yeah, it just, those guys were at a huge disadvantage last year Mm -hmm. and basically had to learn on the fly over the course of the season. And yeah, with a full off season this year and more opportunities in camp, because they're going to be at St. Vincent Mm -hmm. and they're going to play, you know, four preseason games, unlike a lot of the teams that are going to play three. Right. Some of these younger guys from last season could make a bigger jump than expected because of the circumstances, which would be great. 
Yeah, because you're you're also talking about you know a guy like Anthony McFarlane who who if he took a big jump, man, what a what a huge help that would be in the backfield. Well, McFarland uh, is you is know, really yeah. since we're talking about this, McFarland sure. really is he's tailor made for the the scheme they're going to go to from a blocking standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. He was he's, with Canada and Maryland. Yeah, he's right? just a yeah. guy who who just needs a little bit of space to get to the next level, and once he does, he breaks off and goes. Yep. So real quick before we move on from safeties, um, sure. the the one thing I did like about the Trey Norwood pick is it, he is much more of a free safety than a strong safety. Mm-hmm. So we finally actually have someone, and he played corner at Oklahoma too, and right. could play in the slot also if you need him to. Um, but Minka can play in the slot too. So my point though overall is that we finally have someone that can naturally back up that free safety center fielder position rather than in previous years where it seemed like we were trying to build an entire secondary out of strong safeties where yeah like yes i mean there was a time that that year we drafted we drafted Edmonds and Marcus Allen and signed Morgan Burnett in the same year. I'm like, these are all yep. the same type right. of player. Like, yep. it, like that old Jerry Seinfeld joke about, you know, if the black box is the only thing that survives a plane crash, <laughs> build the whole plane out of the black box. <laughs> yeah. Like we were trying to build the whole defense out of strong safety. Strong like at some point you need a guy who's a little bit rangier and not as physical, but can go find the ball. And, and, and Norwood was what led the big 12 in interceptions was second in the big yes. 12 in interceptions. Well, he led, so, like, he he led the big 12. Yeah. Yeah. He so, five. yeah. He knows how to go find the ball and is, is more of a natural backup at that free safety position. Yeah. So now you can actually have guys like more in their natural positions, you know, Edmonds mm-hmm. is strong, Minka at free, Killebrew is either strong or dimebacker. And I mean, maybe if if Nor, I mean, Norwood was a seventh round pick, so I'm expecting yeah, yeah. basically special teams out of him this year. But like thinking down the road, if he actually progresses enough to get on the field, can you throw him out there as like the single high guy and then move Minka around? wherever you want him is like that mm-hmm. rover role mm-hmm. i mean you know that it gives you options to to have a guy who can actually do that um and the other thing i'll say is they they signed a couple undrafted free agents um namely uh shakir brown and yep. mark gilbert the two guys uh brown from michigan state and gilbert from duke who can definitely compete for that slot corner role um so i know we didn't draft a, a slot corner specifically mm-hmm. and it was kind of the biggest need well depending on how you view cam sutton right because sutton's right. going to start on the outside maybe he moves into the slot on third downs but then what happens on the outside is it pierre on the pierre. Yeah. There, there's there's we needed corners but those yeah. two guys were both guys that i kind of thought were like fifth or sixth round type picks and oh not, yeah either of them got drafted yep. and we were able to yep. sign both of them so that's you know they're they're going to have a chance in camp to compete and potentially make this roster yeah, I, I yep. was way off on Brown. I thought he was a fourth or fifth round type of kid, and and he just he tested really poorly. Uh, his didn't he have an injury and, at his pro day? Didn't he like pull a hamstring or something? He had some nagging stuff, and and I I yeah, I don't think he was quite a hundred percent, but he didn't want to say anything because he didn't want to make excuses. He's that type of kid, from what I understand, and yeah, um, you know, which which is good, you know, in some respects, but. Uh, you know, hey, if he turns out to be something, then then my goodness, what a yeah, what a great signing for uh, for the Steelers. Uh, just a reminder, you're listening to the Steel City Blitz Steelers podcast presented 
by Deck Roofing Incorporated of South Florida, serving Broward and Southern Palm Beach counties. Whether it's commercial, residential, multifamily, or condos, contact Deck Roofing today by visiting deckroofing.com. Uh, ben, you said something in the chat today that I literally fell out of my chair. Hmm. Uh, you you said that what well, what I'd have to pull up the exact comment, but you almost sounded content with the depth at the tight end position. Did I read that correctly? The first two spots are are a yeah. couple of guys that are in my mind exceedingly talented. Either one of them could start. I think mm-hmm. Fryermuth could start in the NFL this year if he needed to. He's not yeah. going to, right? But he could. Uh, Ebron, obviously, we know as a pass catcher and as a receiver, is mm-hmm. is very talented. Um, yes. Fryermuth is kind of a more of an all around guy who can block, catch, uh, break tackles. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. do all the dirty work you need done. Yeah. Um, get that catch on third and six, and get give you seven or eight. Um, move the chains, kind of a tight end. So those two guys, yeah, I'm I'm happy. Uh, yeah. Zach Gentry, as we've talked about a number of times, <laughs> he sucks. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like you know, two years invested in that fifth round pick is long enough. They should just mm-hmm. go ahead and cut him. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin Raider, uh, is not great, but he can block and he can do yes. little things um, yeah. for you. And you know, he's got decent hands. Um. I think, you know, he's probably not going to give you a lot, but as a third tight end, that's right. okay. I, I can live with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he pushes Zach Gentry off the off of the roster, so much the better from my standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, the, the tight end position is pretty decent, but the comment I was making really was about pass catchers, and ah. I was referring to the the wide receiver and tight end group as a whole, yes. as a skill position. Um, you've got guys at wide receiver where you've got an incredible amount of depth and talent and at tight end, you're in pretty great shape too. Mm-hmm. And really the point I was making was <clears throat> if the offensive line can do its job a hell of a lot better than it did last year, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if they can protect yeah. Ben, the guys that are going to be catching the ball are going to make Ben's life very easy. Yeah. And, and that really was my point. Yeah, that, no, it, that yeah. is the the optimistic out, outlook on on this on this offense mm-hmm. is that Ben's Ben doesn't have to be very good. Ben was pretty damn good last year, in my opinion, except for his yeah. deep ball. Right. Um, he got tired at the end of the season. His arm was dead, in my opinion, for that uh, that uh, Browns game. Um, and clearly, he was having issues with his lower body that yep. he the didn't Dallas want to game. acknowledge. Yep. You know. Don't want to make excuses, da, 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 whatever, man. You needed a week off, and you needed it before week 17. You needed mm-hmm. it, like, you know, December 1st. Um, after the Dallas game, basically. Yeah, that was, basically that after was the, the game. Dallas game. You needed yep. to take a week off. I agree. Yep. Um, and, you know, we got down to the end of the year, and and the whole offense was on Ben and his arm, and, and he was throwing the ball 50, 60 times a game, and his arm was dead. Yeah. And that was a problem. But, you know, it's not like that was the situation. As I talked about last week, the first through week 11, this offense was averaging 29.8 points per game. Yeah. He was an MVP candidate at that point. Yeah. 
He was doing great. It was outstanding. And, you know, anyway, um, the outlook with the offense in terms of the pass catchers, the skill positions is Mm -hmm. great. Uh, Great. And then you, you add, uh, you add Najee Harris in there with it and it it gets even better. And he's a guy who be a pass catcher too. Don't forget about that. Exactly. That's my point is, is that he, he is a good receiver. He's a natural receiver. Um, I don't think that he's as good as he's talking about, but, if he didn't believe that he could do the Le'Veon Bell thing, then he shouldn't mm-hmm. be out there. He just, mm-hmm. he shouldn't. Uh, well, let's know. put it this way, Ben. Who would you rather be throwing a swing pass to on third and seven? Benny Snell or Najee Harris? Oh, Benny Snell all day long. Those to Benny For Snell sure. Last year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, Jalen Samuels, who's supposed to be receiving back, you know, uh, well, not Samuels good. hasn't been the same since that knee injury. No. Yeah. You're, yeah, that's exactly right. He really hasn't. Um, you know, speaking of, of Harris a little bit, you know, the, the, the rookies were in for rookie camp and, you know, you always have to kind of, uh, guard the comments with what you, you see and, and hear about rookie camp, because, you know, these draft picks are, are surrounded by 30 or 40 guys who are not going to make the team. Uh, so when you see a Najee Harris on the field with these guys, he's going to look pretty damn good. Um, compared to them. But that said, it was very interesting to see some of the comments from some of the beat writers, um, uh, you know, at, at his size, how tall and how much leaner he was than they thought he would be, um, you know, and how good, how well he did catch the ball. So, you know, th- those are the types of things you want to hear. But but overall, rookie minicamp, you're not going to get much out of it. It's not like they're putting hands in the dirt and going after each other or anything like that. I mean, this is this is learning playbook stuff and agilities and that type of thing too. So I, I don't put a whole ton of, uh, uh, of faith in that per se. Um, no, Ian, and here's, I, yeah, go ahead. Bro- broader point too. I've, I've said sure. this before on this show and I'll just remind people again, between the draft and the start of training camp, mm-hmm. the only news that can happen about your team is bad news. Either someone gets hurt, someone gets arrested, someone like the only major news that will happen is bad news. All the major free agents yeah. are signed. I mean, you might sign a depth guy that comes in and helps you, mm-hmm. the, but you know, it's not going to be someone to get super excited about. So the only major news that can happen is bad news. So really, no news is good news because it means nobody did anything stupid or nobody got hurt. I mean, and, and you know, talking about rookie minicamp, who is the the kid from the Jaguars? Is a defensive end ripped up his ACL in in minicamp? Oh, jeez, Dante Fowler. They picked him like third overall. I yeah. Think. Yep. Yep. And uh, that was the year we took Bud Dupree. I think they took he, Fowler was the first edge off the board. They took him number three overall. Yes, and, you're right. Uh, he he ripped up his knee in minicamp, like going against a coach or something, wasn't it? It was it was bad. very minor. Yeah, yeah. So um, so yeah. The the only major news is bad news this time of year. So no news is actually good news. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right, and especially in July. Um, you know, you, you guys were talking about Roethlisberger and how he he really could have used a day off. Um, after that Dallas game, let's say week off. Yeah. W- yeah there has been a little bit of talk now that they're going with the 17th game, not an extra buy, still staying with the, the first, that could the NFL see something like the NBA has done in terms of this load management? 
Do, do you, Ben, do you see a scenario where the Steelers would ever sit a player or two for a game just in terms of load management? Yes. So, so you I, can you can see a Ben Roethlisberger like sitting out week twelve. Just he needs a rest. I absolutely okay. see it. I okay. absolutely see that being a thing going forward in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Older players, your Cam Haywards, your Ben Roethlisberger's, these guys, and yeah, they may not. They're not going to announce it as load management. They're of not going to be not. open no. about it, right? You know. He's just going to say, yeah, you know, Tomlin's just going to say he's not going to be available to this to us this week. He's not going to specify mm-hmm. why. He's not going to talk about when he might come back. He's just going to say, yeah, well, he's got some, you know, whatever. He's going to speak in Tomlinisms and say nothing, use a lot of words and amount to nothing. <laughs> right. And we're not going to see the guy that week. Yeah, I, I absolutely okay. see that being the case. Yeah. Ian, what do you think? Yeah, I mean they've they've done it in the past too, and not specifically "quote unquote" load management. But when mm-hmm. when guys were coming back from injury, and if you know they were kind of borderline, they might hold them out, might bring them back. I mean, they've specifically said with guys like you know, oh, if we if we've been playing a divisional game this week, this guy would have come back and played. But we were playing like the Lions, so we just <laughs> kept him out another week. So you know they've they've done stuff like that in the past where they're like we're playing an NFC team it's not gonna you know right we we want to win obviously but you know a, a loss doesn't necessarily hurt us in any tiebreakers so you know we felt like we could give this guy an extra week to rehab his injury but if this this has been a division game yeah he would have come back and played so they've they've basically done it in the past without quote unquote doing it now mm-hmm. what they haven't done is kind of what Ben is talking about and a guy who's more or less quote-unquote healthy just giving him the week off but i mean that guys go through enough oh yeah there's maggie Maggie. guys go through enough bumps and bruises during the course of the season that you know basically like the bill belichick model that anyone could be listed on the injury report every week god's sakes yeah well you know another thing too is is it's always interesting when the steelers get big leads especially late in the second half you know twitter explodes with get ben out of the game there's no reason for ben to be in the game does the 17th week still with one bye? does that potentially force Tomlin's hand a little bit more to say, you know what? Okay. Maybe, uh, maybe I should get him out of the game a little sooner. Do you see NFL teams doing that with quarterbacks, Ben? Oh yeah. I mean, uh, at least older quarterbacks, you know, not, you know, not your young guys. Right. Right. Because you're going to want them to get playing time regardless. And, and the more time they can spend on the field, seeing live game action the more they grow as players but yeah an older guy who isn't going to benefit by it and you know he's not going to like coming out but right it it absolutely is a situation where there's more to lose than there is to gain if you're up by 30 you know like the like the Steelers were against the Browns last year mm-hmm. was it 38 to three i i can't even remember the yeah, score now yeah no, it's like why is about. why is ben still in there at this no. point you pull the guy you know because yeah he's not going to gain anything by playing and you run the risk of hurting him by leaving him in there pull him out yeah and that's exactly what i'm getting at i i think we're going to see more of that um you know if you can take away a handful of snaps each week 
for certain guys, then then yeah, you're you're saving the wear and tear on them for that that extra week. So, uh, and plus with the seven playoff teams, you only get the team with the one buy. Um, and, and I, I think, you know, you're, you're conceivably talking about teams that could be playing for a lot of weeks in a row. Um, so I, I'm with you. I think load management is going to become a thing in the NFL, like it or not. It, it just is. Um, one of the, uh, the, the other things, too, and, and I know you've had some conversations with people, uh, social media, whatnot. There, there seems to be a lot of optimism around the Steelers offensive line uh, going into this year. And, and I... I can't share that yet. I'm not there. Um, wh- where are you on that? Because it, it it sounds to me like a lot of fans are just assuming this line's going to be better. And and I don't <laughs> I don't know. First of all, I don't know that that's saying much. But second of all, I I don't know that I can just sit here and say that it is. I there's too many question marks. You asking me? Yeah, yeah. I don't. I will not take for granted that this line is going to be better. Mm-hmm. Okay. I know people want to be optimistic yeah, and enthusiastic, and I get it. But listen, one, Matt Canada, while he will have an advantage, I've said this over mm-hmm. and over again, he'll have an advantage because there's not going to be much film available on what he likes to do. Mm-hmm. He's never coordinated an NFL offense. There won't be any film to break down to defend him. So he'll have an advantage, at least initially. He still has never coordinated an NFL offense. He's right. never called plays in the NFL. He doesn't know how to count how to counter NFL defensive coordinators. Okay, that's first. Second, Adrian Clem has two years as an assistant offensive line coach in the NFL. Before that, he was out of football for two years. Right. Good point. Okay, so so just saying that these two guys are going to be great at this. It doesn't make any sense. You, you can't just make that claim. You you got to wait and actually see what they can do first. I'm not saying they're going to suck, but assuming no. that they're going to be automatic improvements because things have changed is awfully short-sighted. And this is what fans do. It, they mm-hmm. don't like what they're seeing. Change it. It'll definitely mm-hmm. be better because we changed it. No, it's not necessarily going to be better. It might, but it yeah. also might not. And then you look at the personnel along the offensive line and just going, you know, left to, to right. Yeah. Chukes is not an upgrade to Al, in my opinion. I mean, if he might be a little bit, but probably not. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin Dotson absolutely is an upgrade over Filer. He should have started last season. Uh, yeah. Kendrick Green may or may not start week one. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, the guys behind him at center are not good. Uh, Marquise Pouncey who was not great last year was still a, let's say a top 16 center. Yeah. And until these guys can perform at that level, they're not as good. So no there, uh, David DeCastro, hopefully he's healthy. Um, looked, watched Zach Banner's tape last year from the giants game. He was not good. He no, was he not good. He, he was, he was bad. And I, I hope he's improved um, because uh, that wasn't good. So, I mean, you know, maybe these guys can all get on the same page. Um, you know, last year we talked about the fact that there there really wasn't a, a functional preseason or camp. Mm-hmm. And that, that makes things more difficult. Yep. 
in terms of, of playing as a group, as a unit, along the offensive line. And that, that really is a dance. People don't think about that. But it's all about timing and you taking care of your job in time for the next guy to take care of his and so on and so forth. And that's especially mm-hmm. true with, with zone blocks, zone schemes. True. So if these guys can all get on the same page during the preseason, this could be an improved unit just because they're all on the same page, but they got to get there first. They got to do it first before I'm going to believe it. And at this point, I, I don't, I, and it's not that I'm saying they're going to be bad. I'm just saying you got to show me something before I'm just going to believe in it blindly. I'm not that, I'm not that guy. I'm, I'm not the guy who's just going to blindly believe in everything. I'm also not the guy who's going to go, fuck this, fire everybody. Hey, this is bullshit. Yeah, I'm with you. Show me what you got. I'm not just going to throw out. Uh, superlatives. I'm not going to throw out declarations of what I think they'll be. I, I think you just got to let them play yeah. and see what happens first. Um, I'll, I'll speculate, but based upon what sure, I've seen sure. so far, there's not a lot that leads me to believe this is automatically going to be a slam dunk improvement. Right. No, I'm, I'm with you. Um, Ian, uh, you know, a lot of talk this week, we're talking about offensive line and, yeah, you know, I, well, I've seen, yeah, I'm going to let you chime in, but I just wanted to add one other thing here too. Um, you know, some, some of the writers, even Mark Caballi at the athletic was talking, I mean, he seems hundred percent certain that, that Kendrick Green's going to be the center. And, and I, I just don't know that he's going to be the center right away. Um, but yeah, give me your overall impressions on what people should be expecting. They should expect progress. They should expect that the line will get better as the season goes on. This is, I think, I think Ben summarized it accurately, but I think it's also, it's a work in progress. They're not yeah. going to be week one. They're not going to be, you know, the, the glory line of the Le'Veon Bell days when you had, you know, Pouncey and DeCastro and, you know, the other positions fairly well. Anchored down Foster, you know, Villanueva, um, Marcus Gilbert at right tackle. I mean, those were, those were good lines. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I also wouldn't, uh, go as far as the people that say like, oh, well, we won the Super Bowl with a terrible offensive line. Yeah, we, we did win the Super Bowl with a terrible offensive line, but we also saw this year in Kansas City that, you also can lose the Super Bowl very badly with a you bad offensive kidding. line. Yep. So, uh, and, you know, um, I mean, look at what happened to the Giants this year. They had a pretty bad offensive line, and Daniel Jones got killed, and Saquon Barkley got killed. And yeah, yep. so a, a bad offensive line more often than not will lose you more games than it wins you. You mm-hmm. need spectacular players elsewhere on the team usually both at wide receiver and on defense to make a shit ton of plays like that 2008 Steelers team did um, to to overcome a bad offensive line. That said, this is a a very young group for the most part, with with Mm -hmm. the exception of DeCastro. It's a young group, um, and they added some younger depth too with both Green and Dan Moore, and I'm not really expecting Dan Moore to start this year, Mm -hmm. but I think Dan Moore has more of a prototypical left tackle frame and background than 
either than Banner does, certainly. And, and right. I'm not real comfortable with Chooks after the way he played last year. He he regressed during the year. He was was better earlier and, and seemed to get mm-hmm. worse as the season went on. Um so so yeah, I think I think, you know, I don't, I'm not saying I'd start Dan Moore week one, but no, no, no. Um, yeah. if somebody struggles, do you plug them in and see what happens? I mean, it's, it's a work in progress. Basically it's going to yes. take time. They're not going to be, they're not going to be the finished product in September that we hope to see by the time we get to December. And yeah, you just no, hope that the players are able to make that progress as the season goes on. Yeah. I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah. I, I I'm with you. Um, a few other, uh, items to cover here tonight. Um, Troy Polamalu, uh, of course, uh, just just him going into the Hall of Fame this summer is is going to pack uh, Canton with with terrible towels. But um, he announced uh, that uh, Dick LeBeau is going to be presenting him. Um, I, I mean, I can't think of a better person, uh, Ben, to do that. Um, I, I mean, these two guys are just uh, uh, they were kind of made for each other in terms of. Um, uh, they're they're thinking defensively, ability to work with each other and stuff. I mean, how, is this one of those Steeler induction moments that you're maybe looking forward to more than any other? Uh, I I guess. I mean, you know, listening to Coach LeBeau speak is always kind of cool, honestly. It is. He's it just is. one of those people that, you know, he's inspiring mm-hmm. to begin with. He's yeah. super likable. Um. I can't think of a more fitting presenter mm-hmm. for Troy Polamalu than Coach LeBeau. So, yeah, it's going to be cool. Um, I, you know, I don't get that excited about Hall of Fame induction, to be honest. I mean, right when they get voted in, I'm like, yeah, great. Good. That's good. good. Sure, sure. You know, you know and, and, and then it's kind of over with for me. I, I think that Hall of Fame speeches are a little boring. Um, <laughs> frequently self-serving um yeah, yeah um and and usually not good um so you know and this is going to be an, an extra large ceremony yes they, they have two years plus all of the guys going in for the centennial class so it's going to be like you know I, I bet when they're, what is it? Is it 20, 22 guys going uh, in? It's going to be like the worst graduation you've ever been to. Uh, well, I mean, it's that many speeches is my yeah. point. It's just going to yeah. be, you know, I and mean, they, they can break it up into three days if they want, but it's still going to be tough. Um, so, you know, this will probably be, I mean, usually I watch some of it. And, and yeah. if there are Steelers being inducted, I watch that part of it, obviously. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but I don't know the, how much of it this year, you know, I want to see, I want to listen to Donnie shell speak to be perfectly honest. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm, I'm going to listen to coach LeBeau speak and Troy speak and yeah, all that's going to happen, but I'm not like pumped about it. Yeah, no, I, I, I get it. I, I just, for me personally, and, and I'm the same way. I, I don't, the, the hall of fame inductions is not, must see TV. I, I try to tune in when the Steelers are up, uh, when, when guys are going in, like you said, and I, I just think it's a neat relationship that, uh, that LeBeau and, and Troy have, and, uh, you know, both, both hall of fame players and, and, uh, just, you know, learning so much uh, from LeBeau when as his coach and everything else, I just, I think it's a great story. Um, Ian, anything to add on that? Um, I was thinking back to the, 
podcast interview we did with Ike Taylor and how much he talked yeah. about how much, how big of an influence it's true. Uh, Dick LeBeau was on all those guys. Um, and if you have a chance, listeners, to go back and listen to that interview with Ike, that was a really good and fun interview that we did. It was. Um, and, and yeah, Dick LeBeau is, is the perfect guy to induct Troy into the Hall of Fame. Um, the other thing I'll say is that occasionally these Hall of Fame speeches do yield a, a really good quote that can kind of last for a long time. Yeah, that's true. Um, the, the one that I think of is um, from from Joe Green's speech that they play at Heinz Field all the time where he said, in Pittsburgh, if you're not at the stadium at 1 o'clock on Sunday, you're in the wrong place. And, and they play that before every game <laughs> at Heinz Field. You do. It, it's, it's pretty cool. So, um, you know, Troy's a very cerebral person. He's a very philosophical person. Mm-hmm. He's a very mm-hmm. spiritual person. So, um, you know, I, I think we, we might get a, a pretty good speech out of Troy. You know, he's, he's always been a very humble person, too. So he's, he's never been, you know, super self-serving. No, um, right. So I, I think I think you know, we, we might get something good out of them. Yeah. You just, you know, and, and Bill Cower too, uh, coach Cower's going in, um, who, who's, uh, Dan or excuse me, Art Rooney too is presenting him, right? Art is. Yeah. I, yeah. I think I saw that. And, uh, and I mean, I honestly, no. if Dan was still alive, he probably would have absolutely, asked him, but, absolutely. But he wanted somebody from the Rooney family yeah. to, to represent him. And, and yeah, I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I do too. I think it's neat uh, how they do things, and and you know, is it long? Yeah, it sure as hell can be long. Um, and and you know, if you're the inductee, you don't care. You're going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, right. and you you're don't like, yeah, care. whatever. I don't yeah. give a shit. You guys yep. can listen or not. I'm going <laughs> up here. And I'm going to talk. I'm going to talk and talk and talk. And I'm going to talk some more. It's going to be great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, before we wrap things up, I, I saw the Steelers had an interesting thing on Twitter. They they were asking fans, uh, what number was your very first uh, Steelers jersey? And um, I think I saw the replies from you guys. Uh, ben, was yours Franco Harris? It was. Franco Harris? Was. Yes. I did not get an Army helmet, unfortunately, oh, with my the, jersey. Oh, God, Franco's Italian Army. That would have been so cool. I think my parents knew that was a thing. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so. in, in Ian, what, what was yours? Um, so the my mom made me a sweatshirt with iron-on numbers um, for uh-huh. Louis Lips because he was my favorite player. And Louis Lips. You could not find a Louis Lips jersey anywhere, so she made that for me. Um, and my, my first actual jersey, I don't – I. I had a Jerome Bettis jersey and uh-huh. I had a LeVon Kirkland jersey. I don't remember which one I had first. I, I know I had okay. both of them. Um, okay. So it's one of those two. Yeah, it's a similar uh, era of, of time. But right. that was really when like buying jerseys started to become a thing. Like, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. Before that, like having jerseys was, you know, a, kind of a rarity. It, it, it was. Or it having was. a big collection of them, I guess. You know, yeah. people may have one or, or so, but. Well, I, you know, oh, everybody I, had a slash jersey in the mid '90s, and that's true. I the had a Greg Lloyd. I had a Greg Lloyd, Greg and Lloyd. I saw plenty of Woodsons, and yeah. uh, there My weren't that many Kevin Greens. But you know, I mean, as it turned out, Kevin Green was pretty damn good. Uh, yeah, 
Yeah. And then, yeah, I, LeVon Kirkland, he kind of didn't suck. I mean, let's be frank. No. He, the guy was pretty damn good. Um, well, ben, you could probably relate to this. I mean, you, you as a kid, you probably remember getting the JCPenney catalog, right? I remember um, it. Did you, yeah, yeah, Ian, I'm sure you do too. I, yeah. I mean, well, the, whenever we would get the, the fall-winter one, I would immediately flip through the 3,000 pages just to find the page with the <laughs> NFL jerseys. jerseys. Yeah. yeah, and that's where I got my very first one. My Terry Bradshaw jersey was was right out of the JCPenney catalog. And uh, I'm sure some of our older listeners can can uh, relate to that. Here's the real question, Mark. Yeah. Did you buy your kids the, the complete little hutch set with the plastic helmet that could get you killed um, if no. you ever actually tried to wear it in contact and, you know, the jersey and pants? I did not. Oh. I did not. But – Funny story about the little Hutch uniforms, though. Uh, a buddy uh, and I, we did put those on when we were a little bit older. They were ridiculously too small, and we went out in the backyard and just beat the shit out of each other for like a half an hour. I'm surprised we didn't end up concussed. In fact, we may have. We I probably did. Yeah. Oh, those helmets were a joke. Oh, my God. Uh, any Any final thoughts here before we completely fall off the rails here, guys? Yeah, uh, <laughs> you're throwing it to me first this time. Whoever, um, I, I don't know if you got any final thoughts. I, yeah, I, I kind of gave my my what was going to be my parting shot earlier was that mm-hmm. you know no news is good news at this time of the year. Yeah, um, yeah. and go Pens. They they won a yes. really close, exciting game tonight against the Islanders, and took years off my life watching that game. But man, the, you know, I, I, I football's my first love. I will always love. Yes. Right. Football, but there is nothing like playoff hockey. Oh, Same. Just the, just the I, I agree. Of, especially overtime playoff hockey. Oh, like, yeah. there's, there's nothing in sports that compares to that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Full on ben, anything from you? Thing. Yeah, just just the uh, the annual reminder that football and shorts and helmets means <laughs> nothing. Um, right. So w- whatever you read, whatever drills you saw someone going through, on Twitter, mm-hmm. um, whatever your impressions were, they probably have absolutely no meaning whatsoever. No. So no. I know that, you know, Joe Blow on Twitter said that was a really good rep that somebody went through on some drill that was videoed. Right. Whatever, man, it's football and shorts. It doesn't mean a damn thing, no. especially now when they're not even really teaching these kids, they're just trying to get to know them and seeing, finding out how they learn, finding Mm -hmm. out how to coach them and how to motivate them and getting to know them that way. Yeah. They're, they're doing some coaching, some developing, some educating, but for the most part, what the coaches are doing is just familiarizing themselves with the players, figuring out what makes them tick and Mm -hmm. letting the players get to know them. And, you know, don't take it too seriously yet. You know, wait, let them do something before you decide they're going to be good or they're going to be bad. Yeah, I, I think it's a great point. You know, we, we forget that that many times the rookie minicamp is really the first time that these coaches will get an opportunity to see these kids and uh, in action, if you want to call it that, like you said, running around with, with helmets and PJs on. So, yeah, very good point. And um, Ben will be uh, gone next week, so we'll see if uh, – 
Mary Poppins, uh, the wonderful Ellie can drop by and uh, <laughs> many, many Poppins. Um, yeah, we, you know, what would, yeah, by the way, she's in, she just responded like she did. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah. what she, she put something out on social media this week that caught me a little off guard. She has like a new hobby or something. Did you guys see this? What she's knitting or something? Something like that, and I it totally really. I was just, I seriously was just taking. Well, no, a it's not. It's not knitting, but it's like a hobby. And I, I thought immediately, okay, next time she's on the show, we got to ask her about it. Um, like peanut like butter she, whiskey. Oh, for God's sake! Uh, no, seriously, she, does it have to do with peanut butter whiskey? I don't think so, because we like never really did sit her down and go, okay, Ellie, true. what's up with this? That is true. Yeah, there has to be a, 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 some words exchanged there. Uh, no, I think she's like sketching or drawing or something. Oh, that's cool. Uh, yeah, and, and I'm real curious to uh, hear the background on that. So, uh, I didn't know anyway, anything creative? That's kind of cool. Yeah, I, I, I mean, hey, you know, even the British folks can do things creative once in a while. What do you I know? know, but it's it's unusual for the Brits to do anything. Oh, creative. very much so. I agree, very much. So. You know, yeah. all they yeah. have is is sarcasm and and dry. Yeah, just <laughs> bitter, angry. You know, that's, well, they do that's have, Ellie. They, I mean, I mean, they do have Benny Hill. They do know. have Benny Hill. That's true. <laughs> as, as anyone our age would clearly remember. <laughs> yeah. oh, All right, I'm completely off the rails here. You uh, are for uh, Ian and Ben. This is Steel Dad signing off on the Steel City Blitz Steelers podcast. Presented by Deck Roofing Incorporated of South Florida. And hey, go Steelers. Ravens suck. <laughs>